Hi, and welcome to Sustainability Explored, a podcast on sustainability and innovation in business and economy, a place where we explore all the sides, angles, and shapes of sustainability. My name is Anna, and I am the podcast host of this show. You're listening to the episode 31, season 3, and today we have a super interesting discussion coming up on the concept and key components of the sustainable and smart city, with the examples of Singapore. I invited Estelle Forger, a known and established professional in the fields of urban planning and smart city, climate change and sustainable development, for this episode. Estelle is the founder of Ergapolis Institute, a laboratory of multidisciplinary innovation of the sustainable city and regional planning. Ergapolis connects architects, engineers, city planners, sociologists, economists and other actors to create a collective intelligence for the benefit of the innovative vision of sustainable development of the territory or the city. Their collective ideas make it possible to set the specifications of the public order to which the companies respond during tenders. Estelle is also an associate of the Economic, Social and Environmental Council and, as well, a Knight of the Order of Arts and Letters for her innovative work in the context of Ergapolis, and in particular the training of future architects. In 2012, she founded Staff Planet Maroc, Uh, which specializes in sustainable development business support. And we will touch a little bit this topic today, the topic of Moroccan city development and the differences between Casablanca and Nice, for example. Uh, In 2015, she helped to organize the Climate Change Conference, COP21, of the United Nations for the French government, French climate team. She mobilized both private companies and public institutions to work together and create a good outcome for the Global Climate Agreement. I can't wait to get this interview started, feeling very lucky, privileged and super excited to talk to Estelle today. I wholeheartedly invite you to join our discussion and sail through it together with us. So my guest today is Estelle Forger. Uh, today we are talking about sustainable smart cities. Estelle is originally from France. I had a lot of enjoyment while doing a background research on her and reading the articles and videos, watching the videos in French. Now Estelle is based in Singapore, which is the hub, the best place to learn about uh, sustainable models of cities, urban sustainability, and uh, I'm hoping for a very fruitful and interesting discussion. And it's always interesting for me to learn how my guest got into sustainability studies. I know that you have started from lawyer's uh, practice. You did something in finance. And then what moved you? What, how was your transition towards sustainable cities? Thank you, uh, Anna, to invite me in this podcast first. Um, in fact, I was interested by law when I was young. I was also curious by economy. And uh, finally, because I was born in uh, 1974, I always knew the crisis. And uh, at this time, my choice was pragmatic, I, uh, having a secure job. And after 11 years on the bank and finance sector, 
I would like to give more meaning of my life and uh, decided to go back to university and to do what I love to do, uh, learning. Because I have a outgoing personality, I think I love care about others. My colleague uh, advised me to study sustainable development and at this time, I didn't know anything about sustainable development. So I resumed my studies with um, a master's degree in sustainable development at the University Paris-Dauphine. And uh, what I learned during this master changed my life totally. I wanted to change the world and contribute at my level to build uh, a better world. And uh, during um, a study trip in Netherlands, I discover urban planning and I realize that I found my calling. Why? Finally, the reason is clear. If sustainable development impacts everything, everything is uh, in the city. I mean, uh, people, the food, uh, transportation, energy, economy, social community, everything is in the city. And um, we need to find a balance to help people to be balanced. If the city is built with a bad design, people cannot feel well and the city cannot be prosperous. Environment has a, a direct impact on, a, on our behavior and the mindset. And finally, it is very useful for me to have a background in law and finance to address the issue of the sustainability, especially for city and territory where governance and the economy are very important as, as well political issue. In your definition, what is a sustainable city? A sustainable city. Uh, for my point of view, a sustainable city needs to integrate a basic thinking, but it's very important to remind it. I mean, a sustainable city first needs to have a good design and an intelligent urban planning. An intelligent urban planning with an integrate, integrated vision. What will be, for example, my country or my city in 2050? The first point is to have a long vision long-term vision. And for example, in Singapore, we know that in 2050, and right now it's uh, ongoing, uh, this is the country of the smart city. And uh, you know, maybe the philosopher Senec, he said there are no favorable wind for one who doesn't know where he's going. Whatever the country or the city, the preservation of the nature and biodiversity is essential. And the urban planning or the road uh, to define a fair place for human as a part of the biodiversity, what it doesn't mean that the earth is only the, the human home. Mm -hmm. First, it's a long vision. Second, it's to integrate the preservation of the nature and the bio biodiversity. That was, uh, this vision should be translated into, into a master plan that included infrastructure and services provide from a population of ratio around 3,000 people. What it doesn't mean that at the local level, you cannot be creative. I explain you that it is quite technical because I, if your vision is not translated in the master plan with a long-term vision and the infrastructure integrated inside and you take care about a population ratio about 3,000 people on the local 
uh, level, you could have urban development very, very anarchic and, uh, and it's so bad. But uh, a city, for me, a sustainable uh, city, uh, must meet the principal need of the people, as defined in the Maslow hierarchy uh, of needs uh, theory, such as physiological needs, safety needs, social needs, esteem needs, self-actualization needs. Only then, from my point of view, once you have a sound uh, master plan, you may consider using new technology. However, Technology is only an uh, add-on. Technology cannot heal the city that have been badly designed. It means that it's a long vision, integrated biodiversity and, uh, and the preservation of land to be at the service of the population and to find a solution for the need and to translate the vision uh, in the master plan with the infrastructure at the le level of uh, a small ratio of uh, population. And uh, I have something, it's very important for me to explain the base, uh, the basis of uh, urban planning before to talk about smart city and new technology. Because uh, urban design, it's like uh, medicine for the city. And uh, technology, it's like a vitamin. And uh, as you know, vitamin can play a big role to manage the city, to promote new services, to offer the possibility to have more efficiency public services. But um, you cannot put vitamin with a body sick. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. Yeah. I know that you were the head of uh, your own company, consultancy, Ergapolis. Uh, given that what you just mentioned, the design is very important and the technology comes afterwards. If we start with the design, who is in charge of taking these decisions? Who is the driving force of city transformation? Which kind of body, organ, government, you know, where, where does it start and where does your company enter? I think that first, uh, when I talked about the vision, it's not necessarily a vision who comes from professional. The vision, for me, has to come from government. Why? Because they are elected usually by the population and they need to know and to explain what they want for the country, for example, for the future years. And your question is very interesting because it's a way for me to, to try to explain the the responsibility between each people uh, in the supply chain of the smart city or the fabric of the city. Because sometimes it's not clarified and uh, when it's not clarified, this is terrible uh, on, the, on the local side. Uh, but first is the government or the mayor vision. I want to be or I want to, to do my city. I want to build my city or my country uh, smart. Or I want to build uh, my city, city like a tropical city. I don't know whatever you want. And after that, this translation, it's a, a work between three kind of population. First, government. Second, professional. And third, population. And they need to work together first to ask the need to the population and usually professional can ask the need to the population in link with government to find the best solution 
what is the innovation, how I can find the, the better solution for, for my uh, territory. And uh, after that, they created a master plan, but uh, the first input, it's political. But of course, the political decision need to be adapted to the need of the population. The problem on the city is that usually you have, you can have a mayor, you want to to create an iconic building in the in his city and at the end is just to be for him, not for the population necessarily. And uh, it's for this reason that you can preserve this kind of uh, situation if your vision is clear, top down, and the, the solution is bottom up. Right. You, you just said, you know, the politicians come and or the mayor is there for four years, uh, supposedly. He doesn't take usually the long-term decisions. Of, I want to completely remake the city so that it's comfortable, first of all, then sustainable, then smart, then uh, integrated technology. But they always start with, hmm, I want this bridge or I want this iconic building and that will be it. I will be remembered for that. Where does this change from mental change should come from? But it's the question of uh, public goods. What is interesting in Singapore? I can give you a concrete uh, example. In Singapore, Singapore is 15 years old. It was, uh, it was not a country at the end. It was a small island with a lot of smart slum. And I think that 80% of the population lived in the, in the slum. Uh, today, 50 years later, 81% of Singaporeans as living in the HDB are owners of uh, their house. It's very interesting to see that Lin Kuan Yew, the father of Singapore, has a real vision for his country. But the vision was not for five years, six years. It was for 100 years. Because he considered at this time that Singapore still after it. When he passed away, Singapore still continue and it's the case. And he gave a long-term vision. And each 10 years, the vision changed a little bit. But it's the only solution to think globally the city. And you're right, the electoral calendar for the mayor is a real problem. But... It's for this reason that when I talk about vision, the vision still, still continues. Mm -hmm. And the mayor needs to understand that they are here, elected by the population, just to help the people to be happy in the city and to live well, and not the reverse. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that this is the first problem when you talk about a sustainable city. And it's for this reason that from my point of view today on the world, I never, I, I never, I, I don't know a, a, a sustainable city because there are a lot of initiatives, very interesting. And we can talk about it but uh, at the end because the problem is the short-term vision it's complicated to to have a real uh, sustainable city because you, the need can change not depending of the need of the population because i as i explained the need of the population is the maslow needs of course the, the population change and now we are uh, we use new technology, and, but human needs, the basic needs, still the same. It's to eat, mm -hmm. to, to move, to, you know, regarding this need, 
it's not complicated to have a long vision to plan your territory and to integrate also the demographic change like a perspective. In fact, there are two factors. First is the vision, what do you want to do? And second uh, factor is the, the evolution of your demography. And after you can plan, you know, to be, uh, to think the city and to be um, in charge of, uh, to be urban planner, it's the mix of the medicine in one hand and secondly, it's a prophecy because you don't know what will be the result of the decisions that you take right now. The result will be in the future. It's for this reason that to have a long vision and to plan, to plan for the long term, it's very, very important because you can adjust. Right. In your team in Ergapolis, what kind of professionals come under the same roof to do urban planning, sustainable urban planning? In fact, we are most catalysts to create the city. Right now, you need to have a lot of competency, a lot of skills. And what is complicated is to look forward in the same direction and to um, manage the, the different skills. For example, we can um, uh, bring some architect, uh, urban planner, economist, uh, engineer, a lot of engineer a lot, a lot of skills, and uh, our job is to be like a catalyst for the city. Uh, from the social perspective, what makes a city safe? I think that the first point is um, education and prevention. Um, if we anticipate uh, by education and prevention, you limit the risk of insecurity in the city. The second point uh, will be maybe the law to protect people and technology, I think, can help to educate and improve awareness and also to anticipate uh, the risks. For example, regarding the, the resources, there is a French company. Uh, they have developed um, a dashboard for implemented in several uh, cities to help uh, mayor to manage their city in real time. For example, in real time, you can change the duration of the red lights uh, based on the traffic. You can monitor utilities by building uh, or make recommendations uh, to reduce, for example, water on the energy consumption and uh, also uh, you can, for example, uh, look after the elderly people to ensure that they are still in life by checking their use uh, of utilities. For the um, city safe, there are three pillars. I think that it's really education and prevention, law, of course, and uh, new technology. You know, curious that you should mention all three, these this three pillars for the safety and specifically mention technology. It just kind of came to my mind that this is how uh, Singapore uh, combat uh, COVID-19 because they were able, with the use of technology, cameras, big data, AI, to trace every infected citizen, or they, they found one infected and they can trace back everyone who they contacted with. And this is one of the reasons they were able to flatten the curve so fast. So what's your take on the technology and AI? Are you pro or against? Do you think it's gonna do humanity in the city any good or shall we rather start being paranoid? Oh, I give in, 
I believe in, in progress first. And uh, with this regards, new technologies are definitely enables of progress. If and only if we use it on the good base and uh, for the, the good goal. Technology, as I explained, can help us uh, to be more virtuous, but also dangerous, depending on what world we collectively want uh, to live. Uh, I don't want to live uh, in a dystopian world as described uh, in the novel uh, 1984 from George Orwell. And uh, I'm not fan to monetize the data. This is a real business for company right now, but uh, for me, it's bad business and not sustainable. We, we need to preserve personal data as a global public good, uh, from my point of view. But uh, I believe in progress. And uh, to take your example about Singapore and the coronavirus, it was not just a question of the technology. The first point was the question, I think, of the trust with the government. Population support the government because uh, the government of Singapore are very professional. And uh, they explained very well, clearly. In I remember in January, they give a lot of information and we take care of each other. And after, technology was very good to tracking, of course, and to help. Um, but when you, you think about tracking, for example, it's a way also to prevent the other people that you are in connect and that can be... Uh, sick and uh, it's uh, it's not too bad. Uh, Estelle, at some point of your career, you uh, organized, you launched an initiative uh, with uh, Morocco. Morocco. Uh, you took a group of students from France. Uh, they went to Morocco to Casablanca. The group from Moroccan students came, of Moroccan students came to France to exchange ideas and views. Uh, I lived a little bit in Nice and last year I visited Casablanca and I was surprised to say the least how different they, these two somewhat similar cities were using their waterfront. Uh, in Nice you see this long promenade, um, people have access to the beaches, to the water, they run along the, um, the shore and in Casablanca that, that is just blocked by a concrete fence. No one knows what is happening behind. There is no view uh, on the ocean. There is no way to see the water. I remember reading a book on urban planning on sustainable city. And someone was saying, if the city is blessed with uh, water access, it should use it for, for common for greater good. So I, I grew up with, you know, this idea of the, the water in the city, be it a river, a sea, an ocean, is a big, is a great blessing. Uh, what do you think is the reason for such a different approach in similarly same cities like Nice and Casablanca? <laughs> Alors, regarding... Um the city planning of uh, Casablanca and uh, Nice, for example. This is, there are nothing prevents uh, city council or other uh, bodies uh, from making good urban planning decision and uh, accept the lack uh, of vision, competency or technical capacity to integrate global issues. And you're right, and it's for this reason that at the beginning I explained that 
the vision is important and the planification, the plan is important also, because when it's designed in, in the concrete, it's down. You cannot change. It's not like you have a draw on the paper, it's done, it's finished. It's the case in Casablanca. But the, there, for me, it's a lack of vision, competency, and a technical capacity. And uh, it's a short-term vision. For example, as you know, in Casablanca, you are a big mall, but uh, it's interesting to, for the business, but it's not a global vision. Yeah. But in the same time, Casablanca, still Casablanca, and it's a beautiful uh, city. I didn't get to see it because I didn't feel safe, honestly. This is also, you know, it's a city like any, any other, and yet I couldn't be there alone. Really? Yeah. But uh, it's true that sometimes urban planning is quite uh, specific to Morocco, and, uh, but at the same time in France we have also uh, bad urban planning in, in cities. I think that the problem of lack of vision and competencies or technical capacity is not the problem of one country in particular. I think it's global. And regarding the student, we, the, the, in Casablanca, the project was to find the due life of the old slaughterhouse house, abattoir, to become a cultural fabric to promote Moroccan, American art and artists. One pre-last question. The UN report says um, like 70% of global population will live in uh, cities by 2050, if I'm not mistaken. So basically in 30 years, that's nothing. With the coronavirus crisis, I see that more and more people are talking about uh, moving to private houses somewhere in the rural areas to have their little plot of land. What do you think the trend will be? Are we going to still be wanting to be living in the cities or the current trend will reverse it? If you think about it, in 1950, the worldwide population was around 2 billion five of people. Mm -hmm. uh, today, as you know, we are 7.7. .7. Billion, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, more or less with coronavirus, yeah. and uh, we will be almost 10 million in uh, 2050, like you explained. And uh, this data could uh, give us uh, a reasonable idea of the pressure on on the environment if uh, we consider that we need to eat, to drink water better than red wine to live and uh, if we consider that the capacity of the earth uh, take time to regenerate uh, we must preserve land and biodiversity it's not an option and to reduce the pressure uh, on the environment then density is not a, an option in fact and uh, this is uh, really crucial to promote the concept of the intelligent urban planning and to think very well and strongly the, the design of the city to have a rational um, concept. Yes, I think that my, uh, this is my answer. Density is not an option and the technology could not resolve the fact that we need to keep land 
uh, to feed 10 billion of people and it's not because you live uh, mm -hmm. far of the cities that you yeah. hospital is in the city and uh, you know all the infrastructure services are in the city and we need to to keep the land and uh, preserve the biodiversity right we will be very dependent on the infrastructure it's true i think yes on the infrastructure and uh, the democratic change is the big deal even though now it really looks um, appealing to have a little plot a little house to be able to go outside even in your own tiny tiny garden it's hard to be yes. but also density offer a lot of opportunity and possibility for the population to live depending how do you think your city uh, how do you preserve the nature in the city mm -hmm. as it's the case in singapore in singapore it's a high density but never never you feel the high density Really, what I, I think that Singapore is a real success story, it's uh, because urban planning contributes to the development of Singapore. Mm -hmm. And the story of Singapore should be inspire a lot of countries. Mm -hmm. and, and often often I heard that, yes, but Singapore is a small island uh, with uh, six, billion of, uh, six million of people. At the end, it's not a question of size. It's a question of ratio of population. If you are a vision and a good ratio of population to think your uh, urban planning, mm -hmm. you can imagine like a constellation city, a lot of development for your country. It's, it's, it's not a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really feel like I should visit because it's hard to imagine. Everyone talks about Singapore. Everyone I actually approached with this topic was living in Singapore. I already interviewed my classmate, the Singaporean classmate, who you know, gave me a lot of background on the governance, on how Singapore works, on the history, and why and how they arrived to this point today. And it feels like uh, that's uh, the city. An utopia. Place. This is like an utopia. And uh, it's what, when I talk about, when I explain Singapore and I'm writing a, a book about uh, Singapore and the best practice uh, uh, of Singapore uh, to share with uh, friends in particular, people think, no, it's not possible. A such success is not possible. But yes, it's true. It's true. And it works. And Singapore works very well. And I'm not here to promote Singapore. I'm here to talk about uh, sustainable and uh, smart city and I can say also that Singapore is not really a sustainable because aircon because a lot of of things but if you compare with uh, other country with uh, the fact that Singapore has no resources the only resources uh, that Singapore have is the population and there are 50 years ago, the population was not educated like now. And in 50 years, Singapore uh, are the worldwide place. It's incredible. The school uh, are in the good rank, in the worldwide class. It's incredible. But urban planning was the base of Singapore. Yeah. Uh, tell me, probably the last question, I know we're running to the end of the interview. Uh, when will your book be out? Uh, maybe in two months. In French. 
Uh, one last question. Your own book recommendation for sustainable urban planning, what would you suggest? I'm curious about economy. I read a book from uh, Ed uh, Glasser. I don't know if you know Ed Glasser. He's an economist and he wrote a book titled The Triumph of the City. Mm -hmm. And the subtitle is How Our Great Invention Makes Us Richer, Smarter, Greener, Healthier and Happier. And this book is uh, bursting with uh, insight and policy proposal to debate. And as you know, French love debates, and I think it's a good... Uh, yeah. Amazing. Thanks so much for your uh, participation on this show. Thanks for your time and sharing your wisdom. It was very cool. I'm glad we had this uh, wonderful discussion today on uh, sustainable cities. Thank you very much, Anna. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new today from our guest Estelle. Maybe you got inspired and motivated. Uh, maybe you have questions. If so, please do let me know. Me or Estelle, you can find both of us on LinkedIn very easily. I would also like to use this opportunity to invite you to check out the other related episodes. The one I mentioned earlier, Urban Sustainability with Go Yang, my classmate from Singapore who takes a citizen view on urban, environmental and social development of his home country. I am also now reading a book called The, Ur the New Urban Crisis, how our cities are increasing inequality, deepening segregation and failing the middle class and what we can do about it by Richard Florida uh, that I'd like to also recommend on this topic while we are waiting for the book of Estelle to come out in two months, as, as she said. Other than that, I would also really suggest the episode called Green, Inclusive and Open Economy, or Why Sustainability is Not Enough, an interview with Ralph Term, to get perspective and broader understanding of modern-day economy, and more recent episode also that I want to uh, suggest, to, like, to advise, to listen to. Um, that's the episode from last week called Circular Economy Challenges and Systemic Change with Cleona Howie Del Rio from EIT Climate Geek about how the economy will change during and after the COVID-19 pandemic. What to expect? Uh, how, can we how can we all um, make it happen? So the greener and more sustainable future to come. I truly hope these three episodes, Urban Sustainability with Terrian, Green Inclusive and Open Economy with Ralph Term, and Circular Economy with Cleona Howie Del Rio, will get you inspired to take some positive action. If you like the episode, please consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review and rating us on the platform you're listening on. We're now available on slightly more than 50 platforms. In previous episodes, I asked the listeners to leave this podcast a review on Podchaser in order to raise some funds for Meals on Wheels COVID-19 response fund. Today, I would like to take a moment to thank Andrew, Julia, Mehdi and Victoria for taking their time and leaving us a review. Together, we raised two bucks, which is still better than nothing. Thank you all again for listening, for being with us today. And until next time, take care, stay tuned, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay home. Until next week, goodbye.